You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Monster House presents... Monster Talk is supported by listeners like you. Find out how you can contribute via Patreon or with reviews at monstertalk.org forward slash support. Your contributions, large or small, make a huge difference. Thanks. I've chafed for years at this demigod. Snakes in my beautiful cities. To the west, Nemedia Aquilonia. To the south, Karth Stygia. Snakes. Everywhere, these evil towers. Enough is enough! I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane! Everybody strap in! I'm about to open some fucking windows. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I hear you're having trouble with a snake. Diana was a pagan snake god. I'm snake watching. It's as if they were just swallowed up. John Dumpton went a fishing once, a fishing in the weir. He caught a fish upon his hook. He thought, look, mighty queer. Now what the kind of fish it was, John Dumpton couldn't tell. But he didn't like the look of it, so he threw it down a well. Ha! We must take the word worm to literally. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You've probably heard the idiom cold-blooded, as in, he was a cold-blooded killer, or she had a cold-blooded approach to business. Well, that idiom comes from the discovery that some animals generate their own body heat, while others rely on the environment to heat them up. This discovery is first noted in English in the 1600s, but by the mid-1700s, the idiomatic use to describe ruthless behavior was quite popular. It was the age of reason. And while science was still in its infancy, the poetical understanding that reptiles and fish didn't have the warm emotional range of humans quickly baked this metaphor into our language. Now, 
science has moved on to a more nuanced understanding of animal thermodynamics. But we still retain many misunderstandings and mythic ideas about reptiles. In the intro, I threw together a few clips from various movies such as Layer of the White Worm and the absolutely ridiculous Snakes on a Plane. But reptiles far beyond snakes are a fertile breeding ground for myths. And today we're joined by Joshua Ems to talk through some of these fascinating tales. Monster Talk. Tonight we're talking with Joshua Ems, who's the president of the New Mexico Herpetological Society based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we're going to be talking about reptiles and myths about reptiles, reptiles mm-hmm. as monsters, and uh, see if we can't scale this topic up. <laughs> I heard what you did there. Yeah, he's already started. <laughs> That's right. Get one out of the gate. So, oh, no. so you, you come for the monsters and stay for the puns, right? Or based on our subscription numbers, maybe that's why they're leaving. I don't know. <laughs> I asked my wife what she thinks. She said, you have a podcast? What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, tell us, who is Joshua Ems? I, I don't want to uh, undersell you because I know you're probably more interesting than that one sentence. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm an Albuquerque, um, New Mexico native. I've lived here all my life, um, give or take. I spent a couple years in Idaho. And then I went to school in Hawaii, um, got a bachelor's degree at BYU-Hawaii um, in history, of all things, and then um, ended up getting real into reptiles and amphibians. I've always grown up around them and always, you know, it's always been a, an interest. And just kind of after I got got back here and um, to Albuquerque and started working, I'm actually in, pest, in the pest control industry. I actually, I'm an entomologist. But got involved with the New Mexico Herpetological Society and um, eventually became president. Um, I'm currently not the president. Uh, we have uh, Max uh, Havelka is our president now. But I am the website, uh, the media coordinator or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> sure. Is, is control of that position pretty ruthless and cold-blooded? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, Josh, you've got a really interesting background, and we brought you on the show to talk about reptile myths. But first, I guess we should establish what is a reptile. Well, reptiles are you know a family of animals. You have your your mammals, your birds, your reptiles, and your amphibians on the vertebrate side. So reptiles, you know what they call cold-blooded. It's really not necessarily cold-blooded. It's just their ectotherms. They they get their heat from their surroundings. Um, they don't produce heat like we as humans do. And it's divided into the main families of snakes, lizards, turtles. Um, there's some other like little outliers like the tuatara. Um, it's kind of its own thing. Um, and it, it, for most intents and purposes, it looks like a lizard, but they're a little different. They're found in New Zealand. And uh, cool little animals. I've never seen one. Well, I've, I think I've seen one in a zoo. I think I saw one in San Diego. Well, next time I watch Lord of the Rings, I'll keep an eye out, see if there's one in the back. You know, so. Yes, that's right. <laughs> now, I've got lots of interesting reptiles in the uh, antipodes, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, a lot of people seem to just have a natural aversion to reptiles. I I think I've seen some videos uh, that you've done where you, <laughs> your family does not seem to have this problem. My My daughter, I've got one daughter who doesn't <laughs> seem to care, and then I've got a daughter who definitely does not want to be around reptiles and of course a wife who you know doesn't even want to go outside 
So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but any thoughts on why people are so freaked out by reptiles? Well, I think you know, um, we the snakes that that humans evolved around, um, a lot of them were venomous, and there was there was no treatments. So these are definitely dangerous, and so primates kind of have a, a natural aversion to snakes, not necessarily reptiles. Well, crocodiles, obviously, and alligators. They're they're big, and they can they can definitely uh, pack a punch. But uh, it's probably just due to venomous reptiles, venomous snakes just something you know that you're you're afraid of and you just you don't want anything to do with because you know it can kill you Mm -hmm. well i've got a follow-up question in australia with uh, like indigenous groups you have uh, the rainbow serpent or rainbow snake and it's interwoven into um, creation stories and folklore but then in christianity of course you've got uh, the serpents which is sometimes construed as satan um, so do you think that there's any kind of religious, there are any religious reasons that people might not like snakes today? Um, there's definitely probably some of that. Um, you know, the, you know, the, the Mayans and stuff, they had, um, they had venomous snakes around and they almost, you know, worshiped, worshiped them. The Aztecs, they, you know, there's, they show up a lot in their, um, Stellas and whatnot, their, um, mm-hmm. carvings and whatnot, you know, feathered serpent, all that. Um, so yeah, there's. There's definitely something to that. I mean, you know, in the Bible, you when you refer to the serpent, you know, they they it's become synonymous with the devil, you know, and that's that's what you know the whole you know, creation in Genesis where it talks about the you know about them being cast out of the Garden of Eden uh, because of the snake, because of the serpent, and, and I think a lot of that's just because the Jewish culture and the, the that part of the world there are some pretty venomous snakes there i mean you know a, a cobra we suspect um took cleopatra in mm-hmm. egypt which you know wasn't too far and so there's definitely a lot of venomous um, snakes a lot of cobras and stuff in that area um so it's just kind of something that those people identified with as something that could kill you and you may not even see it before you before it gets you so oh, i think that's how it got kind of synonymized with that yeah i always thought about her as putting the asp in political aspirations dear (laughs) so but uh, you know there's lots of dangerous animals on the whole would you say reptiles are any more dangerous than any other family of animals well it depends on where you are um, and it depends on how close you're getting and how drunk you are (laughs) as we say here in the south hey y'all watch this (laughs) yeah Um, you know, a lot of a lot of snakes. I I go out and look for them on a on a regular basis. Um, as you probably saw, and you said you watched some of my videos. So, I've encountered probably hundreds of rattlesnakes, and I've never felt that I was in danger. But I'm also giving it the respect it's due, giving it its distance, and I don't I don't handle them. You know, and and that's and that's really that. Um, if you look at statistics, just statistics alone. More people are killed by dogs. Yeah, I think uh, they definitely do tend to uh, stay away. And I once encountered a, a brown snake uh, in Australia when I was just a teenager and I was going hiking and it was all coiled up and it was just keeping away from me. And I, I think they generally tend to to do that. And um, as long as you don't bother them, they won't bother you. 
Yeah, for the most part. And that's where a lot of problems come in is, you know, people see them and they think they have to do something about it. When in reality, if you just leave it alone, mm-hmm. you'll probably never see it again and it'll go on its way and, and you won't have to put yourself in danger by trying to get closer or trying to kill it. I was going to say, the I, I did some research for, I forget why, it was something for a show and we were looking at what are the most dangerous animals and by far as far as number of people killed livestock on farms, like cows and horses kill way more people <laughs> because, yeah. because they're yeah. huge. And if they, they can just crush you, you know, they don't mean, they may not even mean to, but lots of people are around them and they're in circumstances where they can be injured or fatally injured. So, yeah. Right. And just like um, Karen was mentioning there before, um, they want to be left alone. I mean, here in the United States, we're pretty lucky. Um, well, in Georgia, you've got a couple of few venomous snakes that aren't, but most of ours are rattlesnakes. And yeah, I mean, they're nice enough to warn you that they're there before they bite. <laughs> exactly. It's it's not I'm I'm coming to get you. It's a stay away, right? Yeah. If, right. They, mm-hmm. if they wanted yeah. if they wanted to bite you, they wouldn't rattle. Exactly. There's there's no point to it. Um, and cotton mouths, um, another common one in in the south southeastern part of the country. Their main defense is to coil up and show you the inside of their mouth. Hence, they get the name of cotton mouth. And they they do that, and then they leave you away, leave you alone. If they wanted to to bite you, they they bite you. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a question: Are there any snakes that are aggressive and will chase after you, or follow you, or go um, for you? All the accounts I've heard of snakes chasing people um, aren't usually verified. Researchers have never had snakes chase them. Um, and it seems like when when there are kind of things of, oh, it was coming the same way as me or whatever, it's because that was it was backed into a corner and that was the only way out. So typically, no, um, you're not going to see any snakes chase uh, people. They, they have no reason to. I mean, the main reason they have their venom is for their food. And generally, they're going to go the other way if they can. That's a relief for a lot of people, I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I was in, I think I've told this story on the show before, but I was in Bahrain and uh, I used to go exploring out in the desert and uh, I'd take my bike out. And one day I went down in this little valley and there were all these little holes in the side of the valley walls. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a valley that's probably, I don't know, 25 feet wide and I don't know, 15 feet deep, not so more of a gully, really not, you know, but it was deep enough that I was disappeared. Like I, you couldn't see me from the road or wherever, because I was down in this, this gully. Anyway, from these holes, suddenly these, these lizards came out and they were very peculiar. I'd never seen anything like them. They had like a tail, kind of like a stubby tail, like a turtle and their heads were a little bit like a turtle, but they had a body more like a sort of fat lizard. And I think they're called, um, mastigures like egyptian mastigures and mastics yeah and they they came out and they hissed at me and they aggressively made me feel unwelcome and i'd never had any kind of like reptile behavior like that in in america and i i fled i mean they weren't that big you know they're maybe a foot you know at most but they seemed like they were really uninterested in me visiting and they wanted it to be clear mm-hmm. they were not interested in my materials or surveys or whatever I was there for. <laughs> right. <laughs> so be on your yeah, way, sir. A lot, of, a lot of what we read as aggressive is actually defensive. 
Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the big things they say, you know, like you say you're going to Yellowstone, um, you don't get between a, a bear and her cub. Right. And and that's they're being defensive. They're not being offensive in that case. Um, bears are known to to attack a little bit, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, usually there's a reason for that. But um, usually. Usually, if a if a person gets attacked by an animal, it's usually due to something the person did, whether they knowingly did it or not. And I think that's right. a hard thing for people to discern. Is you know, I've heard people say, "Well, this you know, this the snake, it just this rattlesnake, it just rattled at us and rattled at us and, and struck at us and struck at us and struck at us." And it's like, "Well, did you leave it alone? What were you doing?" <laughs> well, we were poking it with a stick. We were throwing rocks at it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, when I grew up in Sydney, um, we had blue-tongued lizards under uh, a shed in the backyard. Yes. And so I'm not, not sure if you're familiar with them. They um, are, they're, they're pretty common in the pet trade, and they're they're really cool lizards. They they have that blue tongue that they, they kind of open up and show their tongue. And, uh, yeah, they're really pretty, and they tend to keep to themselves. So it's not like a lake story. They, weren't, they wouldn't come out and say, stay away or anything like that. They just keep to themselves. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, they would, they would just, in fact, a lot of people like having them around too, around the garden because they get rid of insects and snails sure. and things like that. Yeah. Well, before we dig in further on reptiles, a quick question about what is the New Mexico Herpetological Society? Like, what do you do or like, how, how, how is that, how old of an organization is it? It was, uh, formed in 63, I believe, 1963. And it's basically around for the education of the general public about reptiles and amphibians um herpetofauna or reptiles and amphibians we call them herps for short not to be confused with herpes that's something completely different <laughs> but very popular as well from what i hear so it, i hear i hear it spreads pretty well so so yeah you know there's um we we get together um we have a monthly meeting and we usually have a speaker it's usually about reptiles of some sort sometimes we we go we branch out we've had our you know our state bat expert in and he's talked about bats before which are obviously mammals but we do branch out a little bit but usually we talk um have a speaker that speaks about that we do outreach work we'll we'll go to schools or we'll go to pretty much anywhere that we're asked to um one of the big things we do is every year down at bosque del apache there's it's a migratory bird refuge they have a festival of the cranes, the Sandhill cranes come down and come through. And Ooh. we usually have a big, a big booth down there. It's, it's amazing. I, it, it, they're birds, you know, they're, they're prehistoric herps, but. <laughs> that's, that's very inclusive yeah. of you. Yeah. <laughs> but to see them in hundred in the numbers of hundreds and thousands, it's just amazing. Well, they're so big. Uh, they're so big. Yeah. They, they fly over. We're in the migratory path here in, in my hometown. So. They just came right. by a few weeks ago, and every now and then one will actually land. And to see those birds is astonishing. I mean, they're about, I guess, about four feet tall. And when you think about flying birds and and that they literally, you know, go from Canada to Mexico, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, and they're just, it's just the shocking. Uh, it's almost like to me, considering the biggest bird we have around here normally is a turkey vulture. To see to see a bird that big loose and flying around and flying in numbers that are so large uh i would love to see them like land as a group but usually when we see Mm -hmm. one land it's it's something's up you know it's really hungry or it's lost or confused it's not it's not part of the uh the big flock 
I guess is right. Right. So, okay. but, you know, you know, we, we're seeing 50 and 60 of them at a pop, you know, flying over and they make such a cool noise too. Mm-hmm. They do. They do. Yeah. I love it this time of year. Every time, every morning there's a field that they'll usually be in usually this time of year. It's great. I love seeing them. Some people have claimed that they are possibly uh, one of the root causes between uh, around the, uh, the Mothman sightings. And uh, I think huh. Mothman as a, as a monster has been like evolved into this sort of humanoid creature. And, you know, people see it as having, you know, two wings and two arms and two legs, sort of a hexapod. But originally, if you go back and read John Keel's accounts and some of the newspapers, they were talking about giant birds. And the, the, the Sand Hill Crane has the, the sort of like red coloring around its eyes. And I think a lot of people thought mm-hmm. it might have been a good match because and it's just you don't expect to see a bird that large. If right. it's if it's not local to you, so when they're migrating, oh, and they're huge, and, yeah. and even when you're you know in shadows and stuff, when they fly above you, you feel it, you, you see that shadow go above you, you're like whoa, what was that? You yeah, know, it seems yeah. Like it's yeah. Than, than it is, and Maybe, yeah. they have a very peculiar sound they make as a as a flock. It's really cool. <laughs> We're not here to talk about birds, though. But no. <laughs> But yes, we do a we do a table there every year. Um, we haven't had it the past couple of years due to COVID, but we're hoping that we start back up with that again this year. Um, so basically, just just that, and we do we do field trips. Um, we try and go to look for rare species, or look for you know to see if species have extended their ranges, um, or just haven't been found in certain areas and whatnot. And actually, try to try to add to the um, add to the field here in New Mexico. So I'm wondering, Josh, do you have any reptiles that are native to New Mexico, to that area? Uh, we have several, uh, several snakes, several lizards, um, turtles. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, we even have um, our state reptile is actually the New Mexico whiptail, uh, which, is a, which is a parthenogenic lizard. So there are no males. They are all females. Uh, um, clones of each other we were just discussing that yep yeah in birds yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because we learned that uh roosters have no penis and it's really changed my life yeah. so <laughs> blake was looking for another opportunity episode. to insert that <laughs> i basically this is my new evangelism uh hey my name is blake i like monsters yeah. the roosters have no penis did you know this <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I did one more thing before we start hop, topping into the uh, sort of myths and legends. The um, When I was thinking about uh, reptiles, I thought about snakes and lizards and turtles. And I think you've already addressed this. And alligators. These are pretty common in the United States. Are, are there any other big reptile groups that, that maybe we're not thinking of? Or is that basically captured? That's pretty much it. I mentioned the tuatara earlier. Yeah. That's really it. You know, crocodilians, that, that includes crocodiles, alligators caiman uh, things like that they're all pretty similar but but um, crocodilians are not really lizards right they just look like scaled up versions no they're not they're they're actually yeah they're totally different they're bigger they have different scales they're if i remember it scoots is that right scoots they're a type of scale um usually like found on the belly and snakes have them um turtles and stuff yeah so okay all right let's get into some myths yeah, so, yeah. So you you mentioned before that I have to I have to mention this since you're so fond of the roosters having no penises. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the snake <laughs> snakes make up for it. They have two. Really, my mind has been blown. Yeah, something else for you to evangelize about. Hey, 
So, so Did you know? males have two penises, you say? Well, it's a, it's a hemipenes that kind of comes out and it, it divides and they, they will like, you know, they'll, they'll rotate when they breed, they'll, they'll rotate them and they can be locked up for hours. Interesting. No, no. So is that, no, I know like the opossum, and apparently this is true for a lot of marsupials, but I know opossums have a forked penis and that's because the females have only a single excretory orifice, which is kind of like a cloaca. It's not a cloaca, but, and then. Uh, uh, but ducks are like that too. Well, well, ducks have like some, some ducks have huge penises bigger than the length of their body, which is insane. Uh, I mean, enviable, but insane. Uh, <laughs> I can feel another uh, episode. It's like monster coming penises coming topic. soon to this <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, but do we, do we know? I mean, does why do they have two penises? So it's like, I mean, I mean, not. I mean, I I wouldn't complain, but um, I, I mean, you know. your guess is as good as mine. A lot of the stuff, you know, we can kind of make guesses, but we really don't know. Oh, I get you know, it. It's two know. penises and no hand. It's another punishment from God. What That's the- right. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Wow. Okay. That this conversation went new directions. Wasn't even expecting. <laughs> no. <laughs> If ever there's an opportunity with you. I'm afraid that's true. (laughs) So, yeah, we want to get into some myths about reptiles. And a while ago, we did an episode about giant snakes. And from memory, the guest said that about uh, uh, 30 feet is probably the absolute maximum size a modern snake could reach. Yeah. So, um, Josh, have you heard anything to contradict that? Well, I mean, I hear a lot of things, um, whether it's backed up and confirmed is a whole different story but but yeah it, that seems to be about it um, reticulated pythons are the longest um anacondas are heavier so if you're asking you know which is the longest snake in the world and which is the heaviest snake in the world you get two different answers the reticulated python is the longest i heard 37 feet i don't know if that was authenticated wow. or whatnot as the longest you know but that would have been a captive animal so uh, they tend to do better in captivity without you know, natural predators okay. and things like that. But right. um, and then anacondas do get heavier; they're just a heavier-bodied snake. They spend more spend more time in the water, so they're able to, you know, get around with a heavier stature. Sure, they're beautiful. I they're, they're, I just we had a <laughs> if you can believe it, I'm old enough that I remember like carnival sideshows coming by with like world's largest snake, and you you know stop and pay a few bucks to see it, you know, they'd have a, an albino snake and that kind of thing. So right. to see anacondas, mm. uh, of course, I watch a lot of documentaries and seeing them in their, uh, well, when you manage to see them at all, man, for a snake to be that long, they can really hide. Goodness, they're good. Yeah, <laughs> they can. I, I remember um, growing up, my mom found this this um, thing. She saw it, saw it, just happened to be flipping through the channels and saw it. And so she recorded it to her DVR. For me and it was this this guy who was out there and he was looking for anacondas and he had someone with him and he says so what do we do and he says well just water over here and take your shoes off and just walk around until you bump into one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no thanks <laughs> yep I've, I've seen that kind of thing where they're just they're just diving their hands into the water and you think what are they doing and the next thing they pull up a you know a big piece of a giant anaconda and like they start mm-hmm. trying to pull it out of the water yeah, and it, it's funny because that guy, that biologist that was there, his name is Jesus Rivas. He 
actually works up at um, New Mexico Highlands in Las Vegas, New Mexico. Um, not nearly as many casinos there. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> now, what, what happens in Las Vegas, New Mexico? Does it stay there? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's actually actually a lot of movies and, and TV shows and stuff are filmed out there. They've got a town square um, that looks really, um, really old, um, and it's really cool. Um, in fact, have you ever seen the show um, uh, Longmire? Longmire. Oh, I don't know that show at all. No, so. I don't. I don't. It, it's pretty cool. It's a, kind of a modern Western. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's see, as the the sheriff and he has uh, interactions with the reservation and stuff. It's pretty cool. Kind yeah. of a murder mystery type thing. I was going to, I feel like if we're talking about snakes, I have to bring up the, the stuff that my grandma told me. Uh, my granny would always talk about hoop snakes and joint snakes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would be on the lookout because, you know, granny told me about them, so I knew they had to be real. But, you know, as I got older, right. I learned maybe not so much. Uh, now, I think there might be a natural explanation for the joint snake, but the hoop snake seems to be entirely fantasy. Do you want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah, so probably what comes from the joint snake um, is probably, it's probably not even a, a lizard. It's probably not even a snake at all. It's actually probably from a legless lizard. They will actually lose their tails like like many lizards do and so so people think that well if it it and it still wiggles around and that's so that predators will go after the tail while the lizard can 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 get away so a lot of people would think oh it's still moving so it must be still alive and that that's really not the case it's just nerves firing yeah and then the hoop snake she would tell me that it would um it would often chase you down a hill um, and just roll up into a, a wheel, grab its own tail in its mouth, and roll after mm-hmm. you. And it would chase you really fast. And if you if you managed to get hit by it, you would die because it had a spike on the end of its tail. Um, and then, right. yeah, sometimes I've heard stories where they would spike a tree or something, and the tree would die. Uh, so it's interesting folklore, but uh, I don't, I can't even imagine any animal uh, sort of fitting the bill for that one. That seems to be entirely no. Bad. Um, no, there are some some snakes. Um, when you pick them up, they will kind of, especially there's there's a snake called a sharp tail snake, and it'll actually take its tail and kind of stick it into your hand, trying to get you to let go. Um, there, there's no real thorn, or it doesn't it doesn't inject any venom or anything like that. There are snakes. Um, uh, king snakes will eat other snakes, and I've seen it happen in captivity. I've seen pictures where they actually accidentally latch onto their own tail. And start trying to eat their themselves. Ouroboros. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that might be when you know someone saw one. Maybe someone saw one, you know, biting its tail. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I think a lot of things. You know, just the more they told, they get told. The the, the more great the story gets. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you think that she believed in these, Blake, or she was just telling you to creep you out as a kid? She seemed to believe, I mean, she seemed to think they were real. I was especially suspicious about the the joint snake because her story was that if, you know, it would break into pieces and if you put all the pieces into a bucket or something, overnight they would rejoin. And uh, my father independently so had, had heard the same legend. Uh, he didn't, he was, he was unsure. Uh, you know, this was mm-hmm. in the, in the days before, you know, the internet. So I, uh, you know, it was a little harder for me to look up this kind of a story um yeah so yeah 
Um, yeah, I think, so, you know, a lot of times, you know, you see it wiggling, you think it's alive, and then you're like, oh, well, then both sides must be alive. And then it just kind of takes off from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you see this yes. in, was it, I know we have like a blue-tailed uh, skink around here. They drop their tails right. pretty easy. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of lizards do that. And that's to, like I said earlier, they, they'll... They can actually drop it. They don't. You don't even have to actually grab their tail. They'll actually just drop it, and it has nerves. It'll fire off and wiggle around, and you know you get your um, predator to go after that, and the lizard runs to safety, and then the tail will actually grow back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember as a kid seeing that uh, with with lizards, and uh, I never did this, but had other friends that would pull off the tail and you know torment the poor things, just tiny, tiny little lizards. Oh, I was just speaking of lizards. We've talked a little bit about snakes and venomous snakes. Can lizards be venomous as well? Well, in the in the Americas, we have um, a couple species of lizards, um, Gila monsters and uh, beaded lizards, which actually are venomous. Um, Gila monsters uh, do come into the United States, um, the southwestern United States, um, Arizona, California, um, little parts of New Mexico and up around the Grand Canyon, that part of the Grand Canyon, the, the western part of the Grand Canyon there, uh, soon up into Utah and Nevada. Okay. Um, Are they, do they use their venom for hunting? They, it's mainly for defense. Really? Okay. And they eat eggs. They, and they'll, eat, they'll eat small rodents, too. And, you know, probably birds and things, too. But they, they tend to like eggs. And, um, but they, they will use the venom as a defense. There's been no um, recorded deaths from the venom. And then recently, like within the past probably 10 years or so, um, they've discovered that a lot of monitor lizard species also produce a venom. So the largest, um, lizard in the world is the Komodo dragon. It is also venomous. Wow. Before they thought it was just bacteria that would build up in the mouth because they would, they would, they bite a water buffalo and then you know come back to it later and it dies yeah and they would just eat it um you know tear it apart and whatnot but um yeah so they found out that it actually is a venom it's not just bacteria wow okay that's what i'd heard stunt documentaries years ago yeah they're big chonkers they're 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 yeah that would be terrible i I remember how scary those bahraini lizards were and they were barely you know a foot long i don't (laughs) i don't think i would care to see an eight-foot lizard coming at me so (laughs) no no my my dad was always scared when we were going down my grandfather had about 360 acres in the country and there was all the swampland i like to go out and fish and stuff he was always concerned snakes were going to fall out of the tree onto us is that is that a real thing that happens in America, or like is that a real I, a hunting technique or something? That I, I mean, if they're in a tree and they, you know, happen to lose, I hate to say lose footing because they don't have feet. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if they're, they they climb onto a weak branch and it breaks or they fall. Um, I've had them sometimes, like like I have, I have snakes here at the house, and sometimes I'll feed them and they'll they'll um, they'll come, you know. I dangle the mouse in front of their cage and they'll come right out and just fall off the edge after they grab that prey item. Um, so sometimes they'll, they'll fall, but um, they're not gonna, they're not going to fall on a prey item or anything like that. There are stories. This is funny in Florida where green iguanas have become popular. They were popular in the pet trade and they get 
let loose by people, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether, whether they escape on their own or they're let loose after, you know, this cute little, you know, eight inch lizard they buy at the pet store turns into a six foot lizard with a tail that whips at you. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they get let go and there's just a big population of them down there and they like to hide in trees and mm-hmm. where they're originally from it, they do okay in Florida, but if it gets really, really cold, they'll actually fall out of trees. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing. And I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audio book. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. (laughs) So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Right. Wow. Wow. We we went to um, Key West um, to see, well, I went for vacation, but the East Martello Museum is where the famous Robert the Doll is located. And it's in a right. uh, old um, uh, fort, a big, you know, stone fort, rock fort, brick. I'm not sure what it's made of. It's, it's effectively stone. Um, it was just covered with iguanas. They were everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and unfortunately, they're not a native species there, so they're they're pushing out, you know, some kind of natives. There's there's more non-native species in Florida than there are. You're talking about New Yorkers, right? Yeah, totally true. Well, that's that too. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of those too. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, they bring bagels. Just, Don't knock it. They bring just, bagels. Not <laughs> just reptiles, you know, not just reptiles, um, monkeys, and other things too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so talking a lot about snakes and their reputation for being dangerous, is it true that all snakes are dangerous or not? Um, so, yeah, some snakes are venomous and some snakes aren't. The The real key to to, to being safe out there is to, to know your venomous snakes. There's a lot less venomous than there are um, venomous, except in Australia. That's That's completely backwards there. But that's Australia. <laughs> Here in the United States, um, and in like I said, in most of the country we got it easy. It's rattlesnakes, um, and then you have your copperheads and your cottonmouths and your coral snakes. Um, mm-hmm. So in the U.S., those are the only ones you really have to worry about. And like I said, if you see them and and you just leave them alone, then you'll be fine. Yeah, I think it's such a stereotype, though. Uh, about snakes in Australia because uh, I grew up in Sydney 
metropolitan Sydney and saw that brown snake once. Uh, my right. mother lives in Queensland on the Sunshine Coast and one day she discovered a snake in the garage, uh, just a garden mm-hmm. snake. And that's that's those are the only snake encounters um, that we've ever had. And I know living here in Denver that I've come across bull snakes and rattlesnakes and um, other different kinds a lot more than I ever did in Australia. Right. right. It depends yeah, on where you live, though. Depends on where you live and what you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I tell people, I have people, friends here, you know, they, they're like, man, I would love to see a rattlesnake in the wild. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's go find you one. Really? Is it that easy? And I'm like, well, I've seen about 50 this year. Really? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it just depends on, you, you got to know how to look for them and where they are and, and whatnot. But yeah, sure. it's, um, a lot of times we don't encounter them because we don't, we're not looking for them. Exactly. Yeah. Especially in the cities. Yeah. I've, I've got a neighbor my neighbor and my wife are both incredibly afraid of snakes and uh i'm not i mean my dad is too it's weird i've just i'm not that worried about him and i guess i took it to heart that you know they largely just want to get away i yeah here in georgia we live out in the suburbs so we see a lot of wildlife coyotes deer whatever but um Snake wise, I've only seen uh, a king snake and a, a pine snake and a pine snake is so tiny it's like maybe four or five inches. It almost looks like a big worm. And um, I, I know we have other snakes, but those are the only two I've seen. But my neighbors and my wife are so terrified of, of snakes. And I, I, I keep trying to explain to them that, you know, most of the ones we bump into are harmless. And they wanted me to kill that king snake. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you're afraid of snakes, you want the king snake here. That's your best friend. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm gonna... snakes, oh. eat, they'll, eat, they'll eat anything, but they are known for eating other snakes, including rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, I, when you when you said a pine snake, I, you probably mean a pine woods litter snake because they're a lot smaller. Pine snakes are actually big, um, oh, more it, like the bull snakes. Yeah, that, this, these are like um, little brown snakes, and they're about four to five inches long. They really look like little worms. Yeah, yeah it, I might be yeah. mis- misnaming it. Yep. Yeah, and it could be a blind snake as well. So, yeah. Well, at this point, I'm going to have to bring up an old, uh, another neighbor of Blake's in the past. I believe they're gone now. But didn't you have a snake handling church down the road? We at totally did. Yep, in Kingston. Yeah. Yep. There was actually t- there's two in Georgia, and they were both on either side of my hometown. So one was uh, in Kingston, and one was right outside of my hometown in Cartersville. So yeah, yep. Just uh, it never it's, a, it's an interesting thing to look into if you ever get a chance. There's a really cool history behind it, and it, it's really kind of a cool thing to see. I've seen it on video. I really didn't have any in, interest in going into a service, right? right? From a <laughs> right. distance, yeah, wouldn't want to get involved. Yeah, like, it wouldn't shock you to know that one of them was right next to a trailer park. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> it's like, because <laughs> mm. they're outlawed, aren't they? There, um. I don't know. Like, I there may be ordinances now. This was in the eighties. I think they're still around, and I think they're allowed yeah. to to operate. You might need a permit or something. I'm even not sure. yeah, even even just as I think maybe five six years ago, one of the one of the main guys who did it got killed by a copperhead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I mean, the, the, when you hear about someone getting bit and, and injured in those services, you know that they're not faking it. I mean, that like no, some some churches like that uh were kind of famous for milking the snakes before the service but mm, these guys right. were pretty sincere you know yeah oh but, yeah they're you know, 
and there's there's a lot of things out there i mean you know snakes if they have no reason to bite they they may not and there's a lot of people out there that freehandle and i i i don't i don't understand it i don't understand taking that kind of risk but Mm-mm. i mean i i have non-venomous snakes and i had this one snake i've never had a problem with it any any time ever ever you know i've had it for you know five six years and i pick it up and it just decided to bite me yeah you know and mm-hmm. and so it's just kind of I don't want to take that chance. So I, I keep my distance and um, I don't keep venomous. Um, and that's, that's that. <laughs> yeah. There are lots of cases of these uh, religious leaders who have just been bitten so many times and their hands are just malformed from all of the bites and, and they just keep doing it. Wow. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a lot of the, the, uh, results from bites is tissue damage um so you know you mm-hmm. have people who lose part of their fingers and things like that hey thanks for the memories yeah. <laughs> badge of honor that's right so so um you know when you think about cobras famously you see images of people you know playing the you know a musical instrument and charming the snake can you talk about that? Because I, I think a lot of people do believe you can hypnotize a snake or the snake can hypnotize you or the snakes can be charmed. Not really. Um, first of all, uh, snakes don't have outer ears. So the music isn't really doing much for them. Uh, they can feel vibrations and um, they do have an inner ear. So they might be able to hear some things, but for the most part, they're considered to be deaf. But um, with cobras, they are real visual. Um, and I know that like a lot of times you'll see, you know, the snake charmers, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll reach around and they'll, they'll pet the cobra, you know, behind the hood. And what they're doing is they'll use their one hand or someone else, you know, will be out there and they'll get the snake to concentrate on that. And the snake concentrates on that. And it's not thinking of anything else and just kind of, you just go behind and it just doesn't even realize what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I've heard stories of uh, the snakes' mouths being sewn up. Yeah, things like um, that. They do that. Um, I know we had a, a guy come speak to us who went to Egypt, and they had you know people were walking around with they were walking around with cobras with their mouths sewed shut that you could um, take your picture with. And mm-hmm. um, to me, you know, a snake needs to open its mouth in order to eat. And cruel. so, uh, to me, that's that's cruel and it's it's animal abuse and. They'll yeah. do it at rattlesnake roundups and stuff, which, hey, yay for Georgia. They just got rid of a rattlesnake, a live rattlesnake roundup. They don't have it anymore. They got rid of it. So we're excited about that. But. Good. <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure they have enough problems with lawnmowers and other things going on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, only last night uh, I was watching part of The Jungle Book, the original movie with my son. And right. um, we were watching it. I'm assuming it's a boa constrictor. Um, so near the start of the movie that hypnotizes the boy. Ooh, is that that's I think that's Sterling Holloway. He's from Rockmart, Georgia. Salute. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. The the character is Ka. Um it's probably a reticulated python or or a Burmese python. I think I think the markings were indica- indicative of a reticulated python. Um but there are Burmese pythons or Indian pythons there as well. Yeah. So um, the snake is and, uh, the same voice as Winnie the Pooh too, I think that's Yep. That's interesting. Also, <laughs> a difference. Also the, the snake in Robin Hood. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but that's that's what Disney did during that time is they'd contract people for so many movies and 
use their voice over and over and over again. They still do it today. But. <laughs> Interesting. And I'm just wondering if boa constrictors, as you hear that they can eat people or have eaten people, is that true? I don't think there's been any real definitive proof. Um, there were some, there were some pictures that came out a while back, but there were um, there were reasons from both sides of it to say that it was fake, that it was staged, that that they put the person in there and then you know cut open the snake. I don't I don't know. Um, it's definitely it's possible, but I don't think it happens very often. Um, you know, we call it children, a, like an edge case. It would be rare, right? If it yeah, happened. it'd be extremely rare. They're not going to hunt a human. They they really really don't have any don't want to have anything to do with us. Yeah, it's comforting too. <laughs> there are some spectacular photos on the internet of snakes eating more than they should, and what happens, and like you know. Uh, yeah, it's not pretty. No, <laughs> I I had a friend who um, had a a couple pair of boa constrictors and um one of the things we always tell them is you know you feed them separately and probably not a good idea to keep them together anyway and he was keeping them together and hadn't had any, had any problems and um he separated them when he fed them and then he put them back together put a put them back in the cage together and the next morning he calls me and says dude one of my snakes is missing oh no and i and i said well it did you know did the cage get opened or when he got the cage for me so that's why he was kind of is the cage open and you know and, and i'm like i is the other one really really big he said yeah yeah uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so he lost that snake and then um you know the one that got eaten and then it was too big a meal so it gave it back and um, oh. and then it ended up passing itself so and as as but yeah, it was a, they're kind of like goldfish sad. that way. They don't seem to know when to stop. <laughs> well, you kind of have that jaw that is real flexible. Um, so they're able to walk their jaws across their prey and swallow things that are bigger than them. Mm-hmm. And kind of once they start that process, it's kind of hard to stop it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they so you really got to watch that. Even in like I, I breed king snakes and, you know, king snakes are known to eat other snakes and they will eat their own kind so i gotta watch that when i put them together to breed make sure they're not going through that and i've had to had to separate them a couple times because of it so So here's one i i i was really interested in this one i i had heard both sides of this i don't know if you can answer this definitively but do turtles feel their shells do turtles feel their shells yes they do it's it's part of their skeletal system wow so yes, they do. So we we always say, you know, you see, I I my dad said, you know, he had his his grandma down in St. George, Utah had a had a pet tortoise, and it had a they had, you know screwed an eye hook into into its shell, and so it had kind of a you know a leash um, in the yard. It would just be able to you know go on that only in that area right there, and that was probably very much hurting the turtle. Oh oh wow sad. Yeah. I, I, the, we have a lot of different kinds of turtles here in Georgia. Of course, the, the, probably the most common one we see is, you know, either the uh, snapping turtle or the alligator snapping turtle. And, uh, those get quite big. And there's a lot of legends around those. I guess the most common one I hear is that if a snapping turtle bites you, it won't release until it hears thunder and lightning, (laughs) which, uh, you know, preposterous. 
first of all, I think the, if you've ever seen one bite something, you'll see that it doesn't need to re- wait to release because when it bites, it takes a chunk out of whatever's biting. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm they, sure they yeah. do. Yeah, they they do. They're they have very strong jaws. I'm always watching those shows where they're noodling for catfish. Uh huh. When I'm the mm-hmm. finest snapping turtle, I just I'm just waiting. <laughs> I've I've rescued a bunch of them, and it's extremely dangerous. I keep a pair of leather gloves in my truck, and I know how to get behind them so they can't reach me with their mouth. But even right, so, right. it's when they snap, it is terrifying. But yeah. uh, I just I have a soft place in my heart for them because I just hate to see something that old and that big get run over by a car. Yeah, one of the mm-hmm. one of the big turn to soup. Mm-hmm. Rumors that come about is they we don't, we really, there's really not much known about them. Um, I just listened to a, a podcast about a guy who's researching the um, them in Georgia, actually, um, alligator snappers. And there's, there's really not a lot known about them. They definitely live upwards of a hundred years, maybe even more. And it's one of the one of the rumors, one of the myths that hasn't been confirmed is that they've found the things that they found embedded in their shells, um, like you know musket balls from the Civil War. And oh wow! Like yeah. Wow. They they can um, get incredibly big. Um, my grandpa had one. It must have been thirty pounds. Um, and I'm, I know they get bigger than that. But the the uh, I mean, it was just. I mean, the shell was just enormous, and the the turtle was way bigger than the shell. I mean, they kind of hang out all over the place from their shells. Right. So mm-hmm. they're like they're not like they, a box turtle or anything. So. Right. Right. They had one at the Tulsa Aquarium that was like over two hundred pounds. Wow. It's huge. And they, they're wow. cool because they have that little, their tongue, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. wiggle it around. It looks like a worm. And then the fish will come in and they just nail them. Um, <laughs> so they'll, they'll lure them. Um, and there's other reptiles that do that as well. Like even um, like baby rattlesnakes um, will have the, the tip of their tail will be like a yellowish or a greenish color. Maybe copperheads as well. And they'll use that to, to lure in prey. Really? So Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So, no, I've heard that the baby rattlesnakes are just as venomous as the adults. So, there's some, there's, it, it varies. Um, the, the big myth we hear is that the babies are more dangerous than the adults, and that's not true. Mm. Um, um, some species show that the venom is a little more potent in a baby than an adult, and a lot of that can, can be determined by diet but you know what they're eating can help kind of compose their venom so but some animals they they you know they start out eating like lizards and things and as and, and as they get older they'll you know move on to to mammals or things like that some species not not all um and so the the venom can change over time but if you look at a baby rattlesnake and look at an adult rattlesnake the venom gland on an adult rattlesnake is bigger than the entire head baby rattlesnake. So you're going to get a lot more venom from an adult. You're not going to get that from a baby. That's just um, math. Even right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just math. Exactly. And then, you know, and then another problem with that is they say, well, the babies don't know how to control their venom. And that's not true as well. They do know how to control their venom um, mm-hmm. from as soon as they're born. They say probably around it's hard to to do it but they snakes will bite and not inject venom it's less than 25 percent, so don't take that gamble no (laughs) 
So Blake, did you want to follow up with the question about turtles? Well, just because I've been in many arguments about this, uh, and I think it matters whether you're in England or America, but you've got turtles, tortoises, and terrapins. Can you talk about what the differences are? Like- so turtles is kind of the entire family. So anything that has the shell and the arms, legs, head, tail, that's going to be a turtle. So even even your big um, Galapagos tortoises are technically turtles. Now, tortoises are turtles that have that are adapted to land. You know, if you look at it like a Galapagos turtles tortoise's feet, it looks more like an elephant feet, feet mm-hmm, an mm-hmm. elephant's feet, than it does like a red-eared slider or a snapping turtle. That's part of it. Um, then there's always exceptions. You know how that goes. Like box turtles, they, they live mainly on land, but they are in fact related to water turtles. And so at one point, terrapins were considered the water turtles and then tortoises were the land turtles. But that's kind of gone away from that. Now it's more like turtles are the water in the water and then the tortoises are on the land when and actually they're all turtles. But there's a species um, that are called terrapins, the diamondback terrapins. They're found mostly in brackish water along the coast. Um, but... Uh, and so those are, they kind of retained that terrapin name. So like the animals, language also evolves. <laughs> exactly. Indeed it does. Oh, oh, very much so. Very much so. So Blake has left me with this question. So thanks, Blake. If your pet snake gets big, should you release it into the wild? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Ask the people in Florida about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a good um, opportunity for a PSA. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it, it doesn't that, but that, but like I said earlier with the iguanas, I mean, they're, they've got an iguana problem down there. They've got um, there's so many kinds of lizards down there that you see in your pet stores. You can, they're all over in Florida, you know, chameleons, um, everything like that. Um, they're all down there. And um, tegus are actually, they're a South American uh, lizard, and they're actually probably more dangerous to the environment than the pythons are in the Everglades. Oh, really? Um, but we don't, we just don't hear about them because they're not the big snake that political hits get. Yeah. You know? That's fascinating. Uh, but definitely like here in, here in Albuquerque, the problem we have is um, a lot in the pet trade. And probably if you're you know, around in the seventies, you probably saw the little, little goldfish bowl with the, with the red eared slider turtle in it and the little palm tree and little kit that comes with it. And people here, they, you know, they buy them when they're when they're babies, um, even though they're not legal to be sold until they're over three inches. But um, and then they get too big for their goldfish bowl, so they turn them loose in the river. And so now we don't see our painted turtles; we only see the sliders. Oh man! Um, so they are they are Sad. competing the native turtles, and it is a problem. And and they can they can they can actually um, bring disease into the population. You know, and like I had a friend, I, I kid you not, was at a pet store and this guy walked in with a, an albino monocled cobra and he decided he didn't want to keep it anymore. So he's just going to go up to the mountains and let it go. Oh, no. That's amazing. The, the snake is not adapted for the area. So it's not it's not good for the snake and it's not good for the ecosystem either. So, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> for anyone. And it seems like you never know when a snake is going to just or any of these animals are just going to turn out to also have parthenogenesis. That's a... <laughs> right. I mean, for the most part, you know, yeah. 
yeah, it's not that big a deal. It's just gonna until until that animal dies. Like even here, um, you know, when we relocate rattlesnake, um, you don't take them too far because they then they don't know where to hibernate. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, it's it's even it's even to that. You know, it's just very they're they're good where they are. Just leave them where they are. Yeah. People don't think when they buy pets. A lot of people don't yeah. anyway. A lot of them don't. And that's, you know, if you want to get a snake, I think they're great pets. But, you know, you, you do your research first. You understand that this thing could live 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Um, yep. And that you're going to have to feed it other animals. Uh, there are no snakes that are vegetarians or vegans. They're all mm-hmm. carnivores. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, my son wants one, and so I'm definitely not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he wants spiders as well. You, you wanted to talk a little bit about horned toads, which I think is uh, that's a fascinating animal. My mother told me about those. She went to college uh, in Texas and and saw them down uh-huh. there. And uh, I I didn't know what to make of her stories because I had you know at the time there again not not a really easy thing to check it out. But my understanding is they they cry tears of blood. Well, um, <laughs> or something. What? <laughs> well, so um, first of all, it's it's not a toad; it's a lizard. Yeah. Um, and they're called horned frogs, horned horned toads, horny toads, horny frogs. In fact, TCU, Texas Christian University, is the their mascot is the horned frog, and that's what it is. It's actually the Texas horned lizard. Okay. Um, and they're they're kind of they're kind of stout, bigger, round looking. So they do kind of look maybe kind of look like a toad. But you know they're they're not amphibians. Um, but yeah, when when you it, one of their defenses is they'll actually squirt blood out of their eyes. So I bet it works. It, it, does. <laughs> it does. It makes it. It tastes really bad, apparently. And usually their main predators probably coyotes, foxes, things like that. And so you know the they get in there and they get a mouthful of that and they're done. That is wow, genius. Yeah. <laughs> but why do people call them toads? It's so weird. they don't look anything like a toad to me. They're just kind of stout bodied and they're just kind of, huh. yeah, there's a lot of things that you'd be surprised. I, I mean, I, we, we have kind of have a thing, you know, when we get a call on a snake. Um, I actually do snake removals through my work. If they say it's a six foot snake, it's probably actually a three foot snake. Mm-hmm. If they say it's this <laughs> color, it's probably another color. And, you know, so I've had some of the weirdest descriptions turn up to be something that looks nothing like what they described. It's just, it's just funny what people come up with and how they see things. Ah. I, I don't, I don't question their, how they see it. That's how they see it. You, yeah. you may be able to set my wife at ease though. I, I found a snake skin that was more than six feet long. And uh-huh. I, I was saying that the snake didn't necessarily have to be six foot long, that the skin might have been stretched uh is that plausible or do you think the snake was that's, probably that's very plausible okay good um, they they definitely stretch out it's so when a snake sheds its skin it, it, it releases a layer of um oily substance in between the layer that's going and the one that's staying snake lube um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yep. and so <laughs> so it just slips right off yeah and um and as they do that they they catch it on something so it stretches it Okay, and then, it, and then and then it dries, and it's very flimsy. You know? Yeah, I tr- there you it, go. it hung over the back of my pickup truck, uh, like mm-hmm. from from one side of the bed to the other, and I was like, "This is cool." And then my wife came yeah. home, and she was like, "That is not cool." 
That's the opposite of cool. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of common snakes that get that get pretty large around there. Probably a probably a rat snake or something like that. Yeah. Um, you guys have um, indigo snakes there that are they're huge and they they eat rattlesnakes and they're they're huge. They're awesome. Um, they're they're on the brink of extinction, but there's the the Orian Society based in Georgia is actually um doing a lot to bring them back and they're actually having a lot of good success with it. So cool. Yeah. I, I think they're really neat. I don't want to keep them as pets, but I love having them around. So Yeah, for the most part they're free pest control. Yeah. You know, exactly. they they eat rat snake, it's called a rat snake for a reason. They eat rats, they eat rodents. Yep. Uh, bull snakes on the other hand don't eat bulls. So I don't know where that came from. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, bull so, snakes—they—they kind of—they kind of bluff. Um, They'll—they have a modified um, epiglottis that they'll vibrate inside their mouth, and it sounds like a rattle. Oh, it clever. does. Yep. Yeah. The one that I—in addition—in addition to shaking their tail in the leaves, which most colubrids will do. Um, so yeah, it's—it's um, it's pretty cool to to see them do their whole show. Yeah, I've encountered them around here on hikes, and uh, yeah, yeah, the first time I came across one i thought it was a rattlesnake not knowing better yeah. yep is that why you see that's bull what yeah it's bs in you yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so josh was there anything else that you wanted to discuss with us um just you know it, it's funny all the all the things that, that people invent about snakes you know these myths that we talk about you know the the hoop snake, the snake reassembling itself and stuff like that. And it's, it's funny to, to overlook some of the things that snakes do actually do. Some of the amazing things they do, like, like, the, like we mentioned the squirting blood out of the eyes. I mean, I'm surprised that's not more demonized. <laughs> yeah. Than it is. It's, it's something that, you know, involves blood and it involves that, but there's, well, and, and, and there's it involves all... my mom. I mean, she loves to demonize right. everything. So I just, <laughs> <laughs> But you know, there in Southeast Asia, there are snakes that can modify their rib cage and glide. So actually, they're flying snakes. Yeah, um, you know, and there's lizards that do that as well. Um, mm. And then you can have the the basilisk. You know, not to be confused with the cryptid basilisk, but <laughs> the actual basilisk, the young ones, can actually run across water, run across the top of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I've seen the so videos so of that. that they're, Amazing. They're nicknamed the Jesus Christ lizard. <laughs> Which is what I would shout if one ran in front of me like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah give you exactly. a shock. So. Yeah. I mean, well, usually they're running away from you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's that's got to be startling. It, right. And then, <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the, one of the coolest snakes is the hognose snakes. And you definitely have them in Georgia and in Colorado. In fact, I saw my first one in Colorado. Um, but it's they're, they're, they've got a couple different things that they do when, when they when they encounter them they'll they'll kind of coil up and then they'll they'll widen their necks so they kind of kind of like a cobra how they kind of hood up except they don't stand straight up like a cobra does they kind of just go to the side and just kind of show off their 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 hooded up side there and they'll kind of hiss a little bit and then if you if you keep on bugging them they'll start to strike but they don't strike at you they actually strike to the side <laughs> so they don't even want they're, they're not even trying to bite you they just want you to leave them yeah. alone yeah and then if you continue oh, to do this you continue to do this 
they'll just flop over and play dead. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> lay over on their back. They'll mm. start. They'll start just like nasty stuff out of their mouth. The tongue just kind of lays, hangs out there like you would expect, like something, you know. <laughs> and then they'll start. They'll start pooping all over the place. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's, and it stinks. Yes. Yeah, it makes a mess, and it stinks. And then, and the funny thing is, if you take them and you and you um, you flip them back over right side, they'll roll back over to their back. Oh wow! Look, I'm dead. Shh, I'm dead. Shh. And then after a while, <laughs> after a while, they'll kind of peek up, and then they'll kind of, you know, come back up and say, oh, "Okay, you're gonna leave me alone." Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. And then they'll just go on their way. That's. Um, that's amazing. That reminds me that the the whole evacuating their bowels thing. That's uh, I've I've done a lot again, a lot of turtle rescue around here, and uh, the uh, it's not uncommon if you pick up a turtle, uh, for it to just explosively empty itself. Uh, oh yeah, toads and turtles. Yeah, they'll yeah. That's when you pick up box turtles. Yeah. They like to take them and move them across the road so uh-huh. they don't get hit. Yeah, you, is, uh, is that a- fear thing or more of a protective I think it's a fear, a protective thing yeah. um you know kind of like the kind of like the horn lizard squirting into the yeah. mouth of a coyote i've been told the same thing. That, that people also will do this if you scare them badly enough I've, it's never happened to me <laughs> but um, it i don't think that's anecdotal i think that's real but <laughs> no it happens they, they lose control of their bowels but yeah i always i always feel bad because you know especially out here in the desert you know we find a box turtle and move it across the road and it, it urinates well that's all moisture that it that it needs yes know? yeah mm-hmm. and so i always kind of feel bad but at the same time i don't want it to get run over by a car so no no that's a, a same thing when i tell women i'm married as uh, they cry save your water you need that moisture <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure another, that happens a lot Oh, I'm dying. Okay. Since <laughs> we have that's kind of unusual and kind of funny, um, is the it's uh, the hook nose snake does it, but there's other snakes too. In fact, coral snakes are known to do it as well. Um, that they'll actually pop their cloaca, and so it actually makes a farting sound. Wow! So you pick up the snake, and it just starts farting. <laughs> wow. Didn't expect that. So, well, you know, but you think about it, skunks do the same thing. So, sure, you know, sure. Kind of a parallel evolution there, but you know, mm. they they don't smell as bad as I can't remember the pores. <laughs> black nets to white, don't let them bite. Black next to red, you'll probably be dead. I if something. <laughs> okay, so here's the, here's the fun thing about that rhyme: it's red to yellow, kill a fellow; red to black, venom whack, or, or friend of Jack. There's different varieties. Yeah. There's the fun hmm. thing about that poem. No one ever gets it right. Yeah, exactly. I've never <laughs> heard of it before. You want to get that so, right. But, so but, that's why I say, if you don't know what it is, leave it alone. That's what my dad's yeah. poem is. I like... see a snake, kill it with a rake. And I'm like, Dad, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's terrible. He really is. He really does. He's so scared of snakes that he's, you know, just, I don't think. it. You can't even, you can barely a have a conversation are. with him about it. So it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, mm-hmm. so. Anyway, but the best thing you can do is pick up a field guide. A lot of times they're they're regional. Um, the more regional you get, the better, because then you're not gonna, you know, come up with something that's actually, you know, 
several hundred miles away from you that's right. not going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I run into that a lot too. People claiming, oh yeah, I found this green rat snake, you know, in the North Rio Grande Valley. I'm like, no, you didn't. I only found the very boot heel, <laughs> whatever. But mm-hmm. anyway, but yeah, so that's what I recommend is you pick up a pick up a local field guide. Um, you know, like we've got a couple of New Mexico ones. Um, if you if you can't find one for your state in particular, then you know, find one for that for the region or you know there's they're divided into western and eastern so as well so you can find out what snakes are out there find the venomous ones they're usually all grouped together learn how to identify those and you'll be fine and even acknowledge what is just leave it alone there's that yep yep good advice i think knowledge is power and we've had uh lynn kelly on the show before talking about uh spiders um she's an australian um, science teacher Yeah, she was just petrified of spiders and then decided to learn about them instead. And I think that's a really good tactic to take if you're scared of something. Really, learn really more is. about it. Yeah, so I wanted to correct you. You were asking me earlier, I, I misnamed it as a pine snake. It's the the worm snake and the ring neck snake. Those are the two that I most okay. Yeah, both of those are very small. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. I've, yeah. I've found both of those beautiful snakes. Yeah, yeah, um, they are. The ring neck gorgeous. Yeah. Ringnecks, one of their defenses is they'll they'll coil up the bottom of their tail and turn it upside down and it's bright red underneath. They're beautiful snakes. Mm. Um I have to Google that. I don't know what they look yeah. like. They're mostly black with a little they, it'll as soon as you see it, you'll see why they call it a ringneck. It's got a little sort of yeah. yellowish white ring around its neck. So well it's, it's kind of Pretty. funny because the the ringneck snake species that's in our area most of the time doesn't have a ring around its neck. No. <laughs> I guess nobody wanted it. (laughs) Just that that subspecies. They get bigger too. They get like twice the size as as those other ones, and they're actually mainly um, snake and lizard eaters. Whereas the ones you come across are probably earthworms. Yes, lots of earthworms. Yep. Yeah. I wanted to make sure you had an opportunity to talk about where you know if people want to learn more about reptiles in their community where should they go you and you sort of mentioned the guidebooks is a good place are there yeah, other organizations guides, like your herpetological society in the rest of the country typically yeah if you look up um, there's probably one in every state you know so you could probably find a georgia herpetological society um if you get into arizona there's like a phoenix herpetological society a tucson herpetological society but they've got all kinds of snakes so they're they're all around you can go to different facebook groups i recommend the wild snakes education uh group it kind of spawned off of an id group where they were getting so they got so busy with traffic and stuff that people were asking questions about the snakes that they decided to go ahead and create its own group so they could keep that one just for identification so people could get an id right away yeah and so they've They've done a lot of good things, like creating a lot of good graphics and writing articles that you know dispel a lot of myths and things like that. It's a great, great resource. Um, so it's just just look up wild snakes education, and you'll find it. And there's I, one for lizards and turtles as well. I've seen people try to do that with spiders, and everybody wants it to be a brown recluse. Like I'm sure this is a brown recluse, but this is a brown recluse. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of one of those things. It's. Well, it's got to be the most dangerous exactly. one Exactly. It's the only kind of spiders there are. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be the wolf spider that's not dangerous at all, or the garden spider or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Josh, this has been a really interesting conversation 
Thank you so much for joining us. But we do have one final question, which we ask all of our guests, and that is, what's your favorite monster? Uh, what's my favorite monster? So I actually got two answers for you. Um, sure. The, well, the real monster is a Gila monster, so I got to go with that one. Wow. Um, okay. I mean, it's a it's a lizard, but it's called a Gila monster, so I'll go with that. But um, I did see a other... documentary about a giant Gila monster once. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, along with the giant rabbits and other <laughs> ants. But yeah, so I think that, and then on on that. As far as cryptids go, I, I, any of the dragons and things have always just been a uh, a love of mine. I'm, you know, I was into Dungeons and Dragons. Still with the reptiles, yeah, that's definitely on brand <laughs> for you. <laughs> yep, and I've always always loved that. So I'd have to go with dragons. Good answers. Yeah, good answers. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah. for making time to share your knowledge with our listeners and for talking to us yeah, about this you. stuff. This is great. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, no problem. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard an interview with Joshua Ems about reptile myths. I'll put links in the show notes to the New Mexico Herpetological Society and also provide more links about reptiles. These animals are fascinating and complex, and I hope that if you're a person afraid of such creatures, you might give them a little more consideration before chopping them up or stomping them next time. They're often beneficial, and with few exceptions, they just want to be left alone. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support we have links there to our patreon page as well as a donation button another great way to support the show is to buy books from our amazon monster talk wish list which directly helps us with our research we love used books very much so don't feel compelled to buy new ones and we love kindles so we can share our digital libraries with each other and finally without spending any money at all you can support us by leaving a positive review at itunes or wherever you get your podcasts Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talks, a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, home of such shows as Therapist Uncensored, Subtext, and Small Things Often. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. Monster Talk's part of the Airwave family of podcasts. Our theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thank you for listening, and thanks for sharing this show with your friends. Word of mouth is still the most effective way for us to grow our audience.
This has been a Monster House presentation.